All righty, folks. It's Friday night. It is all about the flip with Rick. Um, those of you who don't know me, my name is Rick again. I am the the Rick in Flip with Rick. Um, you guys probably know my son Zachary, and I started this business twenty years ago. And on this show, on Flip with Rick, we talk about everything, everything that has to do with wholesaling. So let me know you guys are in there in the comments. I love to hear the market you guys are from. And honestly, you 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 people that have experience in this, if you want to help some of the newbies out answer questions in it, it is most helpful, like the really basic questions. And <clears throat> so today we are all about talking about what not to say to sellers. And actually, I think this is this is a topic that's like just never discussed. So um I'm pretty much an expert in authority on this because to be honest with you, um, I've said everything wrong to a seller. So I'm going to just take the first 15 minutes and walk you through what not to say to a seller and use words to replace it. And these words, I'm telling you, if you guys, if, if you're not aware of like some of the stuff you're saying to sellers, this is going to make a tremendous difference for you, but it's going to be a very short one. It'll be a teachable moment. And then if you guys want to jump on, if you want to connect and do a one-on-one -on -one live and help me break down your business and however I can help you out, then just go over to Wholesaling Houses for Real. In the top link, I'll, I'll show you guys right before we're done with the uh, intro here and jump on. I take everybody in the order they come in. So Jay's piled on. I got a few more come on in. So, and I stay on as long as we have questions. <coughs> ah, so. Um, man, it is hot all over the country today. I don't know. I don't even care where you are. Maybe San Diego, maybe Alaska is the cool places, but, um, guys, give me a holler. Let me know where everybody's from. And yeah, I can't believe another week's gone by. So I love wholesaling. I love everything we do. And I want to share as much knowledge as I can today, but here's the deal. Dude. I've been doing this 20 years. So many of you, like, I just cannot stand like channels that are dry, meaning it's just, it's boring. Listen, some of the stuff brutally, to be brutally honest with you, it's just boring. Like we talked about wholesaling. It has to be discussed. Don't get me wrong. But like, if you can't have fun wholesaling, it's tough, tough going. So let's jump into it. Guys, you know where I'm going with this. You got to have fun. I need you to like stimulate you. Need you wake up, grab your cup of coffee, whatever it is to, to get your, your rush going. And let's dive into wholesaling. Let's go, guys. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch. Go. Get up, get up, and get the guy going. Wake up, bitch, get up. Get up, get up, bitch, get up. Get up. Guys, that's the energy you need. So it's kind of like our, our, our fight club song for 
wholesaling. I just, I get, do whatever you do, just please have fun when you do it. So I'll go through a, a little bit of a learning session. Then we'll go through some QA. So if you got questions online, put them on there. If you want to jump on and do a one-on-one, -on -one, you're not required to put on video, but it does enhance it because I can talk to you and see in your face, but it's not a requirement. And remember, the only bad question is the one you don't ask. So if you have the question, I guarantee hundreds, if not thousands of other people have the exact same question. So just jump in there and ask the question. I promise you, I won't bite you. I'm not going to charge you. I'm not going to upsell you. Honestly, I'm just here to help you out as much as possible. As you guys know, me and Zach are the only people in wholesaling that offer 100% free content. It's unheard of. Nobody does it. And for that reason, I know it works because thousands of you are cashing checks and you're doing this. Listen, there's a reason there's a 95% failure ratio in the wholesaling business is because so many people teach you out there. Like if you go with me, you'll have it all solved and figured out. The reality is you're gonna have to go through the same amount of work regardless of whose system, whose course you do. So you might as well pair up someone that's done it for 20 years plus, taught his entire family how to do it and still does it and absolutely enjoys it and will never retire from it. So I got a long track record with us. So if you guys are on board, let's jump in. We're going to talk about all the words not to use with your seller. Now today we are specifically talking about the seller. Notice I'm not, I didn't say buyer, um, because um, buyers, that's going to be a separate show. And that's more like of what they have to do as opposed to the word. So as I said, 10, 15 minutes, and I want to dedicate as much time helping um, people out there. I would love to see some new faces on here. Jump on guys. Even if you haven't on a deal, like let's talk to, it. if you want to get in your mindset, you guys have me here for two hours. It's kind of a use it or lose it. Okay. So uh, Jamie's got that all figured out. He knows how to work it. Right. So uh, I do pay attention. So I got everybody in line there. So I see Anna, I see Jay, I see Malik, I see everybody on it. So let's jump on to this. So guys, have you ever noticed like there's certain things you say to a seller that in a second, the entire, the entire energy in the room, like it feels like you could pop a balloon. Now I've lost countless deals saying really stupid stuff. But I'm here to tell you, I'm going to give you the words you don't even know that are stupid that we say. Now, now keep in mind, words have meanings. And regardless of what you think the meaning of the word is, you have to think like a seller because what's important is how they define the words. Bottom line, you have to understand that. So I always think of like words. I'm like, how can that tick them off or like upset them or trigger them? I don't know, but I'm telling you in 20 years, I'm going to give you the code to the words that absolutely tend to destroy deals or worse, lock people up and they won't sign your contract. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's a short presentation, guys, I promise you. Listen, I'm not a lawyer, accountant, or a psychic. Seek legal advice for entering in any type of contract. I just throw that out there because my lawyer tells me to do that. So words, all words have meanings to sellers. You have to use them wisely, okay? We've established it. Rick, I get it. Words, they're very important. But a lot of times we overlook that this the timing and the the timing and tonality of words are just as important as the words themselves. Let me repeat that. The timing and tonality of the words you use, the words you use are just as important as the actual 
words. Do you see how like I slow it up at the end there? It's for emphasis. So I can read people's emotions by the way they say words back to me. Honestly, I didn't even know I could do this till I figured it out. Like, um, so every time I would train an acquisitions person, I train Zach or all the countless people on this live is like, I've just catered to what works for the seller. So if you guys can harvest even a quarter of this energy, it will make a tremendous difference in your sales presentations when you're dealing with sellers. I'm going to give you a couple examples. Okay. So let's start out with, so what do I say to a seller? Number one, always keep your words super simple. Keep it simple, stupid. That's what KISS stands for. Okay. Do not complicate. The worst thing you can do is talk over your sellers. I get it. We're all brilliantly educated. We're, we're YouTube ninjas. Some of us have college degrees. Some of you guys have masters and doctorates. And that's amazing. But in wholesaling, that will not benefit you. I'm just here to tell you, you have to talk at or below the seller's level because the minute you start shooting words over the top of their head, like, let me to look at an amortization schedule. Let me look at the ARV. Um, let me find out what the cap rate is or let's get an appraisal. You have lost them. Okay. So number one is understanding is you have to keep it super simple. Number two, I know this is going to sound really childish, but I'm telling you guys, if this is the only slide you get, take it. Okay. Talk at a third grade level. If a third grader can't understand what you're saying, the seller can't understand it either. It sounds crazy that I'm, I'm saying such stuff, but I'm telling you it's true. Maybe you do it at a fifth or sixth grade, but I'm telling you, if you get too high in your word vocabulary, how you do this, you create anxiety amongst the seller. Okay. And a lot of our sellers, they don't like working with realtors. They don't like super professional people because they feel like they're going to get burnt. So am I telling you to get down to their level? I'm just telling you to communicate with them directly. Like you do a child. It just works guys. Women do this to this all the time. It just works. I can't stand when people talk over my head. It just ticks me off, especially like if I go in another area, like um, if I want to buy a car and someone's trying to sell me a supercharged engine and I don't know anything about it, I'm just like, I don't even know what you're saying. I do know about engines, but uh, I'm trying to tell you. The other thing is number three is sellers just want the expectation spelled out. They have a lot of anxiety of, what you're going to do while you're there. Can you even buy the house and how long is it going to take and what's the process? So I always tell you when you precondition your seller, walk them through, say, listen, whatever, whatever your protocol is, if it's going to take you 30, 40 minutes, we're going to walk through the house and I'm going to sit down and get to know you. And by the end, I'm going to make you an offer. And if it makes sense, you're going to give me a hard yes or no. If you want to move forward with me, if not, I'm going to help you find a way to get your house sold. Does that sound fair? Okay. I find that taking the expectations off, this took me five years to figure this part out. And I want you to understand it. Sellers have no idea how long you're going to be there or what you're going to talk about. And they're scared to death. Okay. Number one, they want dignity and they want respect. Okay. Um, and number two, they don't want to be embarrassed. A lot of times they have stuff going in the house. It's embarrassing. So in the expectations, I tell everybody and I teach all my sales staff, I'm not here to judge you. Okay. 
I have to take a look at the property and I want to help you out and create a win-win solution for you. Does that sound fair? So once they know you're there to help, help them and not judge them, it is a game changer when you talk to um, sellers. I hate that word game changer, don't you? So abused in this industry. So somebody like somebody hit the buzzard button when I say uh, game changer because I'm not going to use it anymore. Okay. Guys, put your questions in there and uh, I will answer them as soon as we're done here. I promise it's going to be a short one. Okay. Never say these words to a seller. Okay. And I'm just telling you right off the bat do not tell them you're a wholesaler. They don't understand what that is. Okay. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Okay. You are going to pre-label yourself as a wholesaler. The reality is you're a person there to help, to help fix their problem and help them out best you can and let them save their dignity. That's what you truly are. If you say wholesaler goes, Oh, my friend told me about your wholesalers. It's like, you guys steal properties from people. They already have a preconceived notions. Remember sellers have definitions for the words you use. They're not your definitions. They're what they hear on the street and on the internet. Okay. The other one's investor. Same thing. I know we're all technically investors, but the reality is you're going to be pre-labeled and have a preconceived notion. So, um, wholesaler investor, just get rid of it. Guys, you're simply a cash buyer, a cash buyer looking to buy a property in the area. That's it. Cause it's the truth. Okay. Don't ever bad talk your competition to your sellers. It just blows up in your face. I've done this guys. It just doesn't work. Okay. The minute you start trash talking a realtor or other wholesalers, you look bad, not them. You look bad. Okay. And number three, I, this is a big one on me. Don't be an order taker. What do I mean by that? It means if you're in a conversation with a seller and they just start saying, Rick, what's the price? What's the price? How quick can you close? And you start going down that rabbit hole. You're stuck. You know why? Because they're asking the questions and you're doing the answers and it's supposed to be the other way around. Okay. You have to ask high quality questions and lead the conversation. So if you find yourself going down the order taker route, like I'm at McDonald's, I want a number one, I want a number two, I want a large Coke, I want this. When they start hammering you before you start your presentation, you have to put it in check. Okay. It drives me nuts. And a lot of you think, well, that's what they want. I'm going to appease them. You will never get anywhere with an order taker because you have to lead the seller. You have to walk them down your funnel to find out if they are going to be a good fit for your program. Okay. So if you can't ask them the qualifying questions, you'll never get anywhere. So I always say, listen, seller, I know you got a lot of questions. Listen, I'm going to get to the offer, but listen, I got to take a look at the property and I have to ask you some questions to see if you're a good fit for our program. Do you mind if we take like 10 minutes and go through those questions? Do I have permission? And immediately they will sit down and they're in check and they get it. So if they lead the charge, you're in big, big trouble in wholesaling. I, I know, hey, Rick, what's that got to do with words? I'm just telling you, when they start screaming off orders to you, put it in check as soon as possible. Okay. Um, let me keep going. I see you guys' questions. I promise I'm going to answer them. Oh, um, don't use the word home. And now you're probably like, Rick, why would I use the word home? I'm here to tell you. The problem with the word home, when you deal with a single family house, okay, home is what's in the house. Do you understand that? It's all the memories. It's every type of notch 
that was on the door that the kids grew up. Like we all have memories in our homes. Okay. They always say your, your home is where, uh, is in your heart. And, and I truly believe that. So the problem is if you keep using the word home, you are going to re-solidify that emotional connection and you're going to make it tougher for them to sell the property. So what do I use other than home, Rick? You can use house, houseworks. You can use property, simple things like that. But home has a subconscious link to people's memories and the events that happened in the house. And for that reason, I don't like to use the word home. I've had sellers cry. I've had sellers renege on deals. I've had sellers go like, this is my home. I can't leave it. And Listen, I'm here to make them, but if they have a decision they want to make, just stop using the word home because they just feel like they're going to leave something. The reality is home is where your family is. It's where your heart is. And the reality is they need to sell that home to fix their problem. So get away from the word home, property, house, um, residence, whatever you want to do. Okay. So let's talk about phone appointments. Here's the two things you got to stop doing. And this is the biggest violator of them all. You ready? Stop asking them how much their house is. Stop. Okay. How, how much is your house for sale? How much do you want for your house? How's this? How's that? Simply just replace with this. What do you need to get out of this property? What do you need to get? It's things like that. You never ask is a terrible retail world. What's your asking price? I want a million dollars. Why I can't do that. Okay. Well, you asked. That's right. So if you ask a question, be prepared for an answer you don't want. Okay. What I truly like to say is, will you will you take the offer I'm presenting it? So just reverse and engineer it. What do you need to get for this property, John? And just shut up. That's the biggest secret. Shut up. Don't say any more words. I'm gonna get to how we solve this problem. Okay. Stop asking people how much their property is guys. A lot of you are just starting out and you're like, okay, Rick, I get on the phone. It's simply, are you the owner of the property? Hey, how much, how much you need to get for that property? Or even if you're interested in selling it, but like, especially if you're on the phone, the words really matter. Stop asking them how much. Okay. Ask is a terrible, terrible word because if you ask, they're going to give you an answer and you're probably not going to like the outcome of it because they're thinking the highest price when you do that. Okay, physical appointment words. You ready for this? Signature. Replace it with okay or autograph. I have lost more deals over the word signature than I care to ever tell you. Now, why does it happen? The, the reality is these are trigger words. They're, 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 they're linked to their subconscious and these are references of past experience. They have they know signature is final? It's like a lawyer. It's an agreement. It's like oh my god, like it's it's tough. So instead of signature, go listen. Hey, Mister Seller, can I just get your okay on this? Hey, can I get your autograph? It works. It's like it's a flattering thing. Okay. Number two, contract. Probably one of the worst words you can use in wholesaling because it implies very final finality. Uh, it implies lawyer and it it implies you can never go back. And I've watched people literally cinch up and just cringe when you use the word prop, uh, contract. And for that agreement, just replace it with agreement. Okay. Some people use paperwork. I don't like paperwork. I like the word agreement. Can you simply okay this agreement? Sure, Rick. Or, hey, can I get your signature on this contract? 
Oh, I don't know. I think I got to have my wife look it over and my lawyer and my neighbor. And you see how I just switched the words on it. It just makes it because a lot of times if you can just get that signature, you are well on your way. You're not done, but you got past the biggest hurdle on it. Okay. The other one's inspection. Okay. If you have an inspection period on the property, I want you to start referring it to it as a property review. We switched this about five years ago, and I'm just telling you, it's much easier to get an approval for a property review than it is an inspection. Inspection sounds, think about the word inspect. It's very, very final. Okay. Oh my God, an inspection. They're going to inspect me. I went to a dermatologist the other day. I The inspection was so thorough. It was scary. Okay. If he did a body review, I probably would have been fine with it. But I'm just telling you, words have meanings and you've got to understand them. In the beginning, you're not aware of what the words mean. You you have to understand what your seller defines the words as. And like, that's the real key. Okay, we're almost done here. Filler words. Uh, if you use a lot of ums or like, I'm just saying, guys, I do it too. You guys have called me out on this live and I love it. Okay. I, I say all the time is you want to be honest with you. Like, that's just my personality. I'm authentic, um, but it is a filler line and you know, I'm aware of it. And so I got to find myself every time I do it. So the reason you guys put in filler words is number one, you feel uncomfortable when it's dead air. So let me, let me unravel this for you. Uh, when it's uncomfortable and there's dead air, you're usually waiting for a response from your sellers. If you put filler words in there, that you don't give them time to answer it, and you actually make them uncomfortable. I've learned this the hard way. Okay. Number two, if if you just be authentic with your words. So, like, look right now. I have no script. Me and Zach use never ever in our careers have used a teleprompter. You know why? because it's not authentic. It's like you guys would, I guarantee if I put a teleprompter in front of this camper, you would know in two seconds, everything's perfect, roll through it. So like right now, when I have gaps in my words, you're better off with the silence and going, well, um, let me, eh, okay, I'm not sure. You're better off just being silent. It comes off as authentic. It really does. And here's a little trick. If you're stuck with words and you're frazzled, look up. You know why? Because you're telling the seller, I'm searching my brain to give you the correct words for it, and they will forgive you for it. If you start using those BS words in between, it just it becomes very habitual and it's hard to get rid of. So filler words are your biggest problem when you come to the final offer. Say, Mr. Seller, I tell you what, what if I could offer you $75,000 pay all cash and close in 30 days with, with a 10 day, um, property review. Is that something you're interested in? Stop. I've had people make me sit there for a minute, sometimes two It is probably the most uncomfortable time you'll ever have in your life. In the beginning, I used to fill that space. Well, if you're not sure about it, we can think about it or we can, we can circle the drain, you know, one more time and go back over everything. And you are actually stalling them and you make them uncomfortable by doing it. So guys, just be aware of filler words. And once you become aware of them, you can fix it. If you're not aware of it, you can't fix it. So if you're not sure, sit down with your spouse or somebody in your family and just go through a mock um, trial closing with a seller or pretend you're on the phone with a new um, lead, a seller coming in. 
and listen to the words or record yourself. My God, we record VAs, record yourself, listen to them. Me and Zach, more than I want to admit, go back and watch our lives and we pick ourselves apart. Actually, Zach picks me apart a lot more than I pick him apart, but I'm just going to say, we found just being authentic is the best way because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So when you don't know something, try this trick. Just look up and think and use your brain. It works. Eventually, I promise you, you will fill the space. It'll become a complete no-brainer. So many people, like, I was the biggest word filler. Like, the word like is one of the biggest word fillers of them all. Like, ums, just saying. Um, guys, put on here if you have, like, word fillers on here. We all do them. It's human nature. The problem is sellers will catch on to your filler words, especially if you have multiple conversations with them and they'll start to notice your tendencies and you don't want to do that. Okay. So do not discuss these with sellers. Okay. Number one, politics. I don't need to get in this. I don't care what your political affiliation is. I'm in the wholesaling party, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Religion doesn't matter what your religion is. We're one big giant world there's a million different ways to cut this up. I don't get into religion and politics because it's not my wheelhouse. I have my own beliefs, but I don't push it on you guys. That, that's what a good steward, a good leader does. I'm not going to force you to be what I am, and nor is what I am going to change how I'm going to help you out or the type of person I'm going to be. Number one, I'm a human and I care about people. Okay. I want to see everybody win. Okay. That's my religion if you really want to know it. My financial status does not matter to the seller. They want to know if you can fix the problem. So if you got 200 million in the bank or you've got 20 bucks in the bank, if you can help them and bridge that gap and get them a cash buyer, you are the hero. The last one in this that you got to really understand is stop lying to sellers. Those of you that are young and you think it's cool, like you're going to tell them I got millions of dollars, all this stuff you're going to get busted. I'm just, here's the reality. As far as lies, it's to me, it's so hard to lie because after a while you start putting down so many lies, how do you keep track of this stuff? What do you like? Keep a CRM with it. It's much easier just to tell the truth because you don't have to go find it. And most people lie because they're uncomfortable because they, they think they don't know all the answers. Um, to the problem. And the reality in all businesses, most people don't know the answer. Like a lot of people, they don't know all the answers. I can smell a BS artist like a mile away. And our business is, there's so many, it's disgusting. Okay. So if you're going to base on like, if you want to base people on stats, like how many followers does he have this? That, guys, you can buy all that stuff. It's all fake. And what I find is once one person starts lying about this or their business or that, it just never stops. And it's going to roll over in your family. It's going to cause you major heartache. Stop the lying. If you don't know the answer, simply go like this. You know what? That's a great question, seller. Let me get somebody on my team and I'll get the correct exact answer for you. And I'm going to get right back to you or I'll put it on a three-way call. Can you give me two hours? That's it. So you don't have the answer. You know why people lie? It's because of their ego. They can't let their ego go. And I've told you guys, number one, if you can't lose your ego in wholesaling, you're going to have to fake it for the rest of your life because your ego will mislead you every time. So stop lying. It doesn't work. And honestly, it's so much easier to tell the truth because you don't have to keep track of your lies. 
if somebody had like a CRM line machine, it would work well. Okay. So final thoughts on this. Okay. What to say to sellers? Number one, tell the truth. Okay. If you have a risky subject, AKA politics or religion, before you put your foot out there, make sure you know the answer. Okay. So if you tell someone, Hey, I see, I, I see like you're a big Republican party type of guy. You better dang well know for sure that that is correct. Or you are a fish out of water and I promise you they won't do a deal with you. So I like to stay away from it, but if they constantly talk about it, it's all over the wall. Who cares? Who cares guys? Like you really think there's like two or three parties in this entire country. It's ridiculous. Okay. So if you're going to go on a risky subject, please make sure you know the outcome of how you're going to ask it. So just say, listen, I see that you love fishing and stuff like that. You better see fishing pictures everywhere because maybe like they're an animal, uh, like an animal rights activist person. And they don't want to see a, a hook in a fish's mouth. Then I'm going to be in trouble if I start promoting like fishing. Okay. It goes on and on guys, just like that. So if you go in a subject matter, like you're not sure about, you better make sure you know the answer before you go down that rabbit hole. Okay. This goes without saying, just focus on the seller's needs. If you focus on their seller's needs, keep it on a third grade reading level. You can't get in trouble talking to a seller. Think about this. Everybody on the show that you have children, think about how you communicate to young children. It's clear, it's precise, and there's no way they can mix it up. Okay. Boys are infamous for this. Okay. When Zach was tiny, tiny little, I used to sit him down and we used to go, Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how long you got to do it. And here's what happens if you don't do it. It's really straightforward. You have to do the same thing. And guys, this one goes without saying, eye contact is everything. That's why I tell you, if you can physically meet with a seller, if you can obviously get the words, you can get the tonality and the speed of the words, and then you get facial. And eyes, in my opinion, are the single most important feature to see someone when you meet them in person. Eyes tell you everything. Now, if you're just being in wholesaling, do not spend time studying eyes. But for those of you that are stepping it up, guys like Corey that are killing it on the show, you need to go find some books. Most of them are free. Go out and learn how to read people's facial expressions. It will blow your mind. It's about 90% accurate. And sellers are very transparent because a lot of them are in advance when they're selling those. I can tell what they're doing when they look up, when they look down, they look away. Like, honestly, it's 90% effective. It's a skill you actually have to learn. If you're just beginning it, don't worry about it. If you're becoming more advanced, you got at least 10 contracts. Start figuring it out, guys, because with kids, it's a dead giveaway. With adults, it's a little bit more challenging. If you have a very advanced negotiator, it doesn't work that great. So guys, these are the tips. Like Sandra's got it, like squinchy face. She listens to me. It works. It works. Squinchy face means I've got doubt. I'm concerned. I'm scared. Like I'm going to take on all your anxiety. You just give me the answer and I'll fix it for you. Okay, guys, these are things that make a tremendous difference. So I want you to remember that when you're talking to sellers, really basic stuff. I know it sounds like really basic, but I'm telling you, um, after you do this a while, like I'm getting ready to approach 21 years, you start to pick up like some real big um, gem bombs that you notice trends. I'm like, okay, 
like my entire time 30s doing wholesaling was just a rush. Like I did deals so fast, so fast. And I had so much fun with it. And then as I got older, I started like really learning and started writing down. So um, I'm going to answer a couple of questions online and I'm going to jump on everybody that's online. If you guys are new to this, do me a favor, make sure, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And my God, please give me a little bit of likes here. Just, just smash that like button. If you enjoy this type of content, everything we do is 100% free and it's for you guys. So I do very, very well wholesaling. I enjoy what I do. And my legacy is to teach as many people possible to get hooked and started on wholesaling because it's changed my life. It's changed my son's life. It's changed our entire family and everyone I've ever got up and done wholesaling. Honestly, they just go, wow, that was absolutely amazing. So do me that favor. Now, if you want to hop on the live, I'm going to do this for you. I'll show you how to do it. You got to go over to our Facebook page. Let me see if I can share this. I'm not the most technical Let's see if you go over to our Facebook page and then right up there, obviously, if you're watching, you guys are there. If you want to join, just click the StreamYard link. Make sure you're subscribed to our channel and bingo, you get in and you will have a one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Okay, I didn't lose you. Boy, I tell you, when I start jumping screens, it gets like really dangerous. So if... You guys are brand new to our channel. I welcome you. Um, we have a 100% free wholesaling course. Go to freewholesaling.com. Everything's there for you. 95% of the questions that we answer today will be answered on there. So here's what I suggest you is deep dive into it. Do it. Go ahead and get active. Do not sit there and just educate yourself. You've got to take action with it. You've got to take a lot of action, especially in the beginning, because it's like pushing, it's like pushing a boulder uphill. And it takes a lot of energy to get started. You talk to anybody on these lives. A lot of these people have been on before. It takes serious energy and you got to get momentum on your side because it's like taking a car from zero to 60. It takes a lot to get that first mile or two going. And that's the struggle I'm going to help you get through on that. So let's see here. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Okay. Let me see if I got any questions on... Sandra hit the button. I like it. Jason did. Thank you. What's up, Robert? Angel's new. Angel's, Angel's going to get a crash course today. Um, Natalia asked, uh, she asked about comps and basically says, can we use comps that are over a main street, right? Or is it just highways? Thank you in advance. So I don't know many houses that are on a highway. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. Maybe it's just how you worded the question. You want to use comps that are similar. So every now and then, like I know in Florida, we'll have a house that's backed up to like a major interstate and everybody hears the traffic noise. So one thing is if you're concerned about like the roadways, go in the front yard, the backyard or the side of the house. And if you hear traffic, heed the warning. Okay. It means you're probably not going to get any type of retail buyer for that house, in my opinion. So I buy a lot of these houses because the realtors can't sell them, okay? There's always a price they can sell them, but just try to match it best you can. So if you're talking about a road, if you hear a lot of traffic noise, then you really got to pay attention because if you hear it, 
your buyers are going to hear it. And then if they're going to rehab the house, sell it to buyers, then they even hear it 10 times more. So Natalia, uh, let me know if you want to expand on that, but, um, you should always try to match comps for comps. Ideally, if you have a house on that street, that's backed up to like that busy road, then I would use a comp on that. But the problem is the property across the street is going to sell a little bit higher because it's a little bit more buffered. So, okay. So here's a great question on this. What would you say to a seller that doesn't want to give you an offer first or even a ballpark estimate out of fear of low balling themselves? Um, you can go with good cop, bad cop, or just go scrunchy face. That's what I would do. At, at some point, this ball's got to start somewhere. Okay. So if you've tried to volley them, so if you guys, um, a, a volley is just typically when someone won't answer you and say, listen, Mr. Seller, you know, wh what do you need to get for this property? They go, I don't know, Rick, you're the expert. You tell me what my property is worth. Say, John, in all fairness, it is your property. And I know you don't know exactly what it's worth, but if you could just, just give me a ballpark figure, what you think it's at. And guess what? Guess what they're going to say. Ready? I have no idea. Say, John, listen, I know you don't have the exact idea or maybe no idea, but you, you have got to have some sort of number in mind that would actually entertain an offer. Otherwise, I don't even know where to start with you. Okay. Now, by the third time, if they haven't answered it, because they usually get ticked off about this time. Remember, most sellers, if you can overcome two objections, you pretty much own them, in my opinion. That's just people in general. Test it out. Go to your grocery store. Go to anything you do. Overcome the objection twice and don't give up. It's human nature. Numbers are in your favor 70% of the time if you do that. Now, if I've gone through all that and they're still doing that, I'm going good cop, bad cop. I go, listen, I talked to my partner, uh, Zach, and, uh, you know, since I can't get an idea number, I, I just like, he told me to offer you 50 and they go, and the guy go 50,000. And one of two things are going to happen. They go, either you're crazy. You need to get the heck out of my property or I can't do anything uh, below 85,000. So either you're going to get a violent reaction of negativity, which is fine. And guess what? Good cop, big cop. I go, that's why I don't send Zach on these appointments. He's out of his mind. Okay. Or you're going to get a counter offer and at least you have a starting point and that's it. That's all you're trying to do. Guys, do you understand when you make your first offer, you're actually looking for a no. So when they counter you, then that gives you more Intel so you can go deeper into a trial close. So hopefully that helps you out with that. Okay. Um, Robert says, God bless the USA. And I agree with that one. That's dude. That's the first comment on there. Like that, like that other July 4th. So, um, appreciate it. Bluegrass. Um, someone banned. I'll keep it by Robert. There's a, there's no spamming in here. So if you are stop. So, um, angel asks, how do I give a government list? I'm virtual. First thing is go to freeholesling.com and define the government list you need to get, but they are going to be at your city and county level. And uh, most of them should be free. Okay. See now. 
Okay. Robert, you got to call. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> it's fine. Guys, we all want to help out and do everything. So what's up, Todd? I appreciate it. Um, okay. Last one. I'm going to take everybody on live here. Uh, what's up, Corey? Corey says, what's your opinion on using private money to close on a property and relist it as assuming there's a substantial spread in the contract price versus. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I do, do it all the time. So I use companies, monies, banks, monies, private partners, money. If you want to do that, try to raise soft money. It It's actually easier than you think it is, but Corey, if it's going to make you a profit, do it 100% do it. Okay. I am going to jump in. So everybody get in queue in here. Listen, here's how we're going to do the lives. I want to help you out as much as you can. If you complain and just chronic about it, you're just, you're, you're wasting time. I can help you. So let's focus on solutions. And I need you to pre-think about like your problem because in the perfect world, my goal is to guide you to the solution while we're on there. Okay. Um, one quick one. Jason, uh, soft money is the opposite of hard money. Hard money is an official loan that's recorded with points and underwriting and all sorts of fees. Um, on soft money is, is money that, that you borrow through a private person without all the crap tied up to it. So um, sometimes it's friends, family, which honestly I strongly advise against. I don't, I don't do that. But somebody wants to get a higher return that's maybe getting 1% of the bank and they like doing that, but you still have to secure them with a loan. It's just much, much more flexible and easy to do. And once you figure out how to do it, you'll never, guys, hard money's called hard money for a reason. It's hard. They basically wind up being your partner with none of the work. So what's up, Jay? You there? Hey, how you doing, Mr. Rick? All right, man. I got, I got a face to match up with it. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You got uh, the so old man today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I got three questions for you today. All right. Okay. Go ahead. So the first question is when, uh, when controlling a deal, right? So my question is when showing an occupied property to a buyer, how do you keep, how do you prevent the buyer from interacting with the seller if you're doing the deal virtually? Okay. It's, that's a really good question. Actually really good. So you're doing it virtually, correct? Yes. So you're talking about a property you have under contract. And mm -hmm. you want to bring buyers in there to uh, basically assign your contract, correct? Yes. Okay. So even locally, this can be challenging. Okay. So virtually it's much more. So here's the first thing you have to define is the temperament of your seller. Is the property owner occupied? Is the owner living in the property? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have it like an actual uh, property okay. contract. I, I just, okay. I'm just so asking like for future, for future references. Okay. So there's no one blanket answer for this. So virtually is more challenging, but like this is going to be the same locally. Everything is dictated on the temperament of your seller. Okay. So if I'm virtual and I have a property, say it's like a probate deal and the property is vacant, no one's there. It doesn't really matter. Like right. just use smart discretion. Um, I've seen people abuse this. They'll send 20 or 30 people down and the neighbors get really concerned. Like there's all sorts of traffic at the house and they call them that could ruin your deal. The problem comes in when they're owner occupied properties, especially virtually. Okay. 
There is no way, in my opinion, you are going to send a seller in there and do the whole thing remotely without any type of local help. You're going to get killed. Okay. So the best thing you can do at that point, if you have an established market, is find someone. You're going to have to pay them a little bit of money or even give them a tiny piece of the deal and ensure they walk them through um, correctly on that property. Because unless the property is flat out vacant, you are running a massive risk. Because if that buyer talks to the seller and goes, hey, uh, Jay offered me this property for 150000 He's like, no, Jay's buying it for me from 100000 It's going to be a horrid conversation. Right, and for exactly. that reason, if you paid someone 50 or 75 bucks to run them through and go, listen, your job is just to show them the house and isolate the seller from the cash buyer. Okay. Right. I just talked to, um, I think she was on here earlier. Brooklyn was doing a deal. Um, she's somewhere, I believe in South Carolina. I apologize on the right place, but like locally, sometimes I have challenges. Um, I recently did one on a, uh, a property we had because four buyers showed up, like it was all like one company and there was one seller. And I'm just like, it's so your job is once you have the property under contract, you, number one, determine the, the temperament of the seller. Are they easy going? Is it easy? To, then you can get away with a lot more. If they're very like freaked out, you have to do the right kind of call. Now, if it's virtually, I would probably pay someone to walk them through. Here's the caveat to the the buyer. You've got to underwrite them like crazy because you don't want to waste. Like if the seller's really tough, you want to make sure that they're okay with the numbers. They're okay with the area. They're okay with the price. They have the proof of funds. It's just a final inspection. So many cash buyers, especially virtually, treat the inspection as like, ah, I'll see if it's going to work or not. No, 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 no. We have to be like good on the numbers and everything else. And then you get them there. And then honestly, you have to pay someone if the seller is living there. I would pay someone 50, 75 bucks, maybe 100, depending on what you're marketing. And their job is to make sure that new cash buyer never talks to the seller. You know how you do that? Most of the time, the person's sister and they just have a cup of coffee with the seller. And their job is to play defensive tackle the entire time. I don't want them to show the house. The seller's going to walk through and figure out what he wants. And say, and at the end, I just train him, your job, sit down, make the seller happy. Just talk to them about the day, the weather, the family. And then as soon as the buyer's done, you walk them out, tell the seller right there and say, listen, if you got any questions, let me know. They give you the questions, they give them back to you and you deal with the, the, uh, the new buyer on that. And that's the challenge that when they're vacant, it's kind of a piece of cake. Just don't abuse your privileges on it. Um, I have these problems locally. Like, and then also here's a key question. If you're going to hire someone to do that for you, I think it's worth the expense. Make sure you verify how many people are going to that inspection. It's right. critical. And tell the guy, if there's more than two people to get out of that car, just stop them right there and get on the phone with you and go like, who's this third person? A lot of times they'll bring their contractor and stuff like that. And you got to say, listen, here's the deal. If you guys screw this up and talk to the seller, there's going to be a problem with this. And I'm not going to share any of these deals with you. So a lot of times it's not even the cash buyer. That's the problem It's the contractor or sometimes it's the spouse and they start commenting. And you're like, I go, listen, do me a favor, go and take a look at the house as quickly as you can. And then I'll meet you out front. No comments, nothing. We don't want to upset the seller. They're very sensitive. They have some issues going on. You have to be um, sensitive to that stuff. So if you can train a person just to do that, it doesn't cost a lot of money. 
it's not worth cutting somebody in thousands of dollars to do that. And I, I had to do that a few times in the beginning and I stopped doing that. It's cheaper to pay them 50, 75, hundred bucks as opposed to giving them a percentage of the profit, which you can still do. It depends on how you want to do it. Sometimes right. they're hard and you need help. And sometimes they're super easy. So most of it is the, uh, is the seller's temperament. Does it make sense? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Every wholesale, by the way, every wholesale has to go through that process. If it's local or virtually, mm -hmm. you have to weigh up because I'm, here's the reality guys. And I want everybody to hear this on this live. If your seller is flexible and like agreeable, you will actually make more money. If they're extremely difficult and staunch, you have to respect it because you lose the deal. But the reality is you don't have as many options. Sometimes I have sellers. I can only get one or two buyers ever in the property. And I know it. And I tell my team, I go do make sure we get it. And sometimes we take a substantial discount for that. So know that in your numbers when you go into it. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Uh, second question was on, on the day of closing, uh, I've been hearing that it's like, it, it, it's really, uh, bad to have the, to have both the seller and the buyer show up at closing at the same time, because things can kind of get a little bit like confusing and then the deal can fall apart. So who's supposed to arrive first? Uh, is it the seller that's supposed to arrive first or is it the buyer that's supposed to arrive first to the closing? So in, um, it technically doesn't matter, but the most important, well, they're both important to have there. So remember, you just have a document, you have a contract. Okay. Right. Um, it's, it's the equivalent of having uh, an engagement ring. Okay. Just because someone's engaged to you, doesn't mean they're going to show up to the ceremony. Okay. Right. And so many things can happen up to a point. So honestly, it doesn't matter. I just don't like to have them at the same time. So usually what my title company is, we'll have the seller come in at, um, so most sellers want to, they want a final answer to walk out with their money. Okay. Now, if you have a wishy-washy seller, take whatever time you can get and just deal with it. Okay. Cause if they don't show up, you don't get a deal, but if right. the seller's normal, I'll have the buyer go and, and do all the paperwork, get all their money set up and everything. And so I'll have them come in at like 10 AM. And then I usually give a two hour window. Um, I can't tell you how most people at a closing, they get really excited. Most people show up like an hour early all the time. I did a closing two weeks ago. I was at the title company and I got to talking to one of the girls there about some other stuff. And I wound up being there an extra 45 minutes and lo and behold, the buyer walked in. Oh, and wow. then they asked me, they go, are you the guy that owns? I'm just like, oh God, now I don't lie to people. I'm like, yeah, sat down for 30, 40 minutes. And they were like, honestly, I could have said stuff that screwed up the deal. So in the perfect world, I have this, uh, the buyer come in, they do all their paperwork, everything, all their money's in paid. The seller comes in at noon. So when the seller signs, it's final, it's done. They don't run into anyone else because the seller only knows you. So right. in the beginning, I'll be honest with you, I used to walk in with the seller. If the seller is difficult, sometimes um, in the beginning, I used to do it, then Zach would do it, and then we have someone for our sales staff. Sometimes you have to hold seller's hands because they're a little bit, it's just the truth, okay? Um, right. And you have to get them through that process. But if you get the seller done, for, uh, if you get the buyer done first and have the seller come at the end, they can usually walk out of there with their check or instructions of where their money's going to get wired at. 
And that's all they ask you in the NJ. When am I getting my money? So when they go to the title company, they're eager to get their money. If you do it the other way, have them sign the day before, they're going to ask you 10 times when they're getting paid. And so I like to put it on the title company. Okay. I got Make you. sense? Yes. Absolutely. And then the idea is like the reason the whole thing, you don't want to put a buyer and seller because they don't know the buyer. They don't know them and they're going to get confused very quickly. So if you have to go to represent just when the seller goes to sell, you just go and kind of rub their back and call it a day. Remember, Realtors that do traditional real estate, they all show up because they know they know a storm is brewing because here's the reality. Most of the closing packages from the banks all come in like an hour before the closing and it's a, it's just a train wreck. And the realtor's like, I didn't know, you know the, the buyer's like, I didn't know I was getting this interest rate. Why do I have to sign all this stuff? It, it's yes or no, or you don't get the house and your contract expires today. And then the realtors start fighting in the hallway. It happens all the time. With wholesalers, we don't have any surprises. We try to get rid of them. And so you don't want that confrontation. So the problem is why if you can avoid being at the closing table, because when you go to the closing table, either the seller or the buyer, in my experience, more than half the time, they will ask you for something, right? If I ask for something, I'll get it. Honestly, I do it every time. If I'm not talking about wholesaling properties, but like I buy commercial property stuff. If I can get a hold of the seller, I will go after him till like till the final day till the money's released. And that's why I know a selling's very final and I'm whoever asks the most gets the most at the closing table. So if you're not there, you can't ask me. So I put on another layer after about 2 years of wholesaling, every now and then like little BS stuff would come up. Hey Rick, the uh, pool pump didn't turn on. They did a final walkthrough. I'm like, how much can a pool pump be? I'm not going to negotiate. And I would tell my escrow agent, um, you have $500 to go either way. Just get the deal closed. And she goes, I got, I, I gave them 200 bucks. I'm like, thank you. So um, does that answer your question? Guys, wholesaling, Absolutely. you really don't want to be at the closing table unless you have to make your seller feel good. Or if you want to get a testimonial, not a bad way to do it. Um, and then if you want to be there with your buyer, but honestly, that's like realtor stuff. If you have everything set up before and it's just about funding and handing over the keys and that's it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, so final question in yes. your, in your class, you mentioned uh wholesaler and investor are the two things that you shouldn't mention to a, uh, to a seller. But I, I've, I've been reading a lot of posts in the, um, in, in the Facebook group and also watching other videos and some wholesalers come across sellers who ask them uh, straight up, are you a wholesaler or are you an investor? So like, how do, how do we answer that question? If wholesale and investor are the two things that so we shouldn't be saying? So let me ask seller? you this. Is a wholesaler synonymous with a cash buyer? No. Why not? I'm, so, I'm not sure. Tell me why. I, okay. So it's, Here's what I'm, so the, the purpose of today's lesson, and th this is a good point. So I appreciate the question, Jay, and I'm not picking on you. I'm just talking is no, you're fine. words have definitions. Sometimes what I define it and you define it are different words. That's why we have so many problems in our country. Like what I label this word, you label that word. And then, um, if like we, we don't agree on it and instead of talking it out, we just start fighting like verbally, not physically. So what I'm trying to do with the seller is avoid any confrontation or any preconceived notions. Okay. Right now, if I tell you lawyer, what, what's the first word that pops in your head without thinking about it? Court. 
There you go. Like, see, so that's, you didn't have to think about it. And that's the problem is wholesaling has now been out long enough that people go, okay, if they don't have the answer, they're going to ask someone, they go, Hey, I'm dealing with this wholesaler. What, like, what should I be watching? I'm like, Oh, watch out. If you Google wholesaling enough, you are going to get negative connotations. Okay. If I tell you network marketing, what are you, what are you going to say? What's your first thought in your head? Network marketing, uh, like uh, Facebook, social media, advertising. That's things that come up. Well, I'm talking about like multi-level network marketing. You know, the guy comes to you and goes, hey, listen, Jay, I got this great product. And if you just give me 10 of your friends, you'll get $500 for each one. And we'll just keep pushing this thing to you like so rich, you don't know what to do. Oh, so kind of like a kind of like a spider web, like a yeah, like yeah, a yeah that type network. of deal. So it's like, so if I tell you I'm an I'm a I'm a multi-level marketing, um, and I want to meet with you, you're probably going to do everything in your power to get out of that meeting, right? Right. Sellers are going to do the same thing. Okay. So if you go, hey, listen, um, I'm Jay. I'm a wholesaler. If they ask you, they go, yeah, I'm a wholesaler. Like, great. I'll see you tomorrow at eight, uh, at, at eight p.m. Then they start going to go. They start googling wholesaling. I'm not even going to do it right now, but I promise you there's more negativity than positivity on it. And that's the problem is they're going to make a ridiculous assumption. We're not all the same. There are some really bad wholesalers out there. I can't stop them. I can only help the ones going forward. So am I lying? No, because our business requires cash to close it. At some point, you will have to cash fund a deal either with your money, the bank's money, or one of your cash partners. Do you agree with that? Yes. For that reason, you are a cash buyer. Okay. When I started out in wholesaling, I had no idea what I was doing in 2003. Nobody gave me advice. No, I, I go, how the heck am I going to represent myself as a cash buyer if I don't have the cash in the bank? And I had to go through this. I went through this ridiculous thing where I actually went to a bank and I got qualified for a loan and got a pre-approval letter. And I walked around with that thing knowing Worst case scenario, if I couldn't close on it, I showed them I had the ability to close on it. Now, keep in mind, I was older. I had a regular job. I'm giving you full disclosure. I never used it, but I always had a plan if I had to close on it. I don't like to lie to people, Jay, and I think you're being forthright with me and you feel uncomfortable saying you're a cash buyer when, in essence, you're truly not. What you need is a cash partner, okay? All I'm trying to do is give you definitions give you words so you don't get taken out of the game before you meet with them. Okay. Gotcha. The yes. word wholesaler and investor has a preconceived notion on it. Investor, they're shark, they're aggressive. They're going to lowball me offer wholesaler, no skin in the game. He's not going to close it. And that's it. So when people say, you can say, listen, I've done it in the past, but honestly, I'm just looking for uh, a house like yours in that area. And uh, I have cash to buy it with. And th that's it. And then if you want to get into it and talk to them about it, I'm going to be honest with you. Once I qualify the person and I connect rapport, they don't give a, they don't care what I am after that. Honestly, like once they get to know you, like Jay, if we sat down for 15, 20 minutes and I got to know you, your family and what you do, you would be much more open to anything I would say. That's just human nature. Okay. And I'm trying to give you with today's words, everybody wants to put a label on everything and get stuck. I don't think you're lying when you say that. If you're going to do wholesaling correct, these deals will have to be fun with cash. Okay. I wouldn't say you're going to close on it in 48 hours with your personal cash. You're not making like crazy claims like that. So um, that's why I want you to do it that way. Because honestly, if you say you're a wholesaler investor right off the bat, 
more than 50 to 60% of the people will not hear you out going any further. That makes sense. Uh, Mr. Rick, I'm not even going to lie to you. You were cutting out the, like for that last little bit, I didn't hear anything. I'm yeah, so I know sorry, you kind of cut off. So the, the reality <laughs> I'm not going to take more of your time. No, no. I'm sorry. The reality is I want you to tell the truth. I already tell you, don't lie. But honestly, you're going to fund these deals with the cash. You're going to use a cash partner. And for that reason, I don't want people to take you out beforehand. So is it a slide of hand? No, it's really not. Because honestly, I want you to do this the right way. Once you connect with someone to meet with them, they will give you all the leniency in the world. But honestly, like I got to know you the five minutes talking to you and I'm more comfortable every minute I talk to you. Sellers do the exact same thing. Right off the bat, if you give them an obstacle, they're going to freak out every time. Okay. So like all my marketing, it's all local. Like, so I don't have a big giant corporation logo on it. We put a personal name on it because people like to connect with people like in person. That's what they like to do. Jay, I'm going to come back with you. Keep cutting in and out. So we'll keep going there. And uh, I appreciate you. Good questions, man. Holy, holy moly. Okay. Uh, Darren, you there? Darren. Darren, you got to unmute your mic. I'm here. Sorry. That's okay, man. You How you me? doing? Where, uh, where are you calling from? Oh, I can't hear you now. Can you hear me? Testing. Let me see here. Okay. Hold on. I got to block somebody here. All right. I'm going to try to back out and I'll come back. Okay. I'll, I'll pop you back in. I promise. Okay. Malik, you there? Yo. What's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hold on. I got a sticker on my, my camera. That's all right, man. What's up? You know, my wife always has me to like put the sticker on. She's like, you know, anybody could be watching you. I go, you know what? I'll bore them to death. <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, everyone's going to be uh, spying on you. I go, honestly, there ain't nothing to spy on here, man. So yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, what's today? What's going on? Oh, not much, man. I'm just enjoying your channel. Thanks a lot for everything you guys are doing over there. I think it's fantastic that you guys are sharing this information. It's crazy, isn't it? It is. Yeah. When I first actually heard wholesale real real estate back in the day i thought it was absolutely nuts but how you guys are explaining it it just seems so simple to me to be quite honest it's it's simple you know what the problem is we're complicated like we try to overanalyze everything i'm here to guys tell you wholesaling has nothing to do with your iq level you actually have to have common sense to do wholesaling because wholesaling is a product of connecting with people and helping them solve a problem out that they can't figure it out on their own. That's it. The real estate is just a side effect. It's just a math problem. So like once I can connect with someone and do it and I qualify it, then I go, okay, I'm in, I can fix this person's problem. I build up the trust. And here I am 20 years later, still doing the exact same thing. Right. Right. So, well, yeah, I had a question about probates. Uh, okay. Firstly, is the fiduciary, is that also the PR? Sometimes, so which, like some, some counties, they have listed the fidu fiduciary, if, if I'm pronouncing that correct. Um, so fiduciary just means a financial responsibility. Mm -hmm. Hold on one second. I got to clear something here. Um, so the challenge is 
the challenge is just getting um, the names and definitions right. So there's over 3,500 counties and you're seeing a little bit of the frustration is like I deal in five counties in my area. I feel like I go to five different states. I feel like I go from California to New York to Tennessee and back. It's absolutely crazy how it works. So my suggestion to you is, did you go into the court or did you do this all online? Uh, it's all online. Actually, I live on Vancouver Island in Canada. Okay. So, so one of two ways, um, you can just call up the clerk of courts and ask for the probate department mm -hmm. and just ask for their legal definition of what's going on. Like, okay, is the fiduciary, are they the same as the, uh, the, uh, the PR, which stands for personal representative. That's the most common word. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, in some States they call them the executor. And then you have the heirs, which obviously those are the people that would benefit from it. And by the way, an heir can be, um, is usually, uh, a, so one of the heirs is usually the PR as well too. Okay. So like if you had a family of four and say um, mom passed away and there's four kids of the four mom picks the most responsible person to her opinion. Okay. And then their job is to carry out the will and make sure, say everybody gets 25% of the assets. Okay. And, um, that's it. Now, the other one that kind of throws people for loof is the petitioner. So the petitioner yeah, uh, the person, person who petitioned uh, the court right. actually filed the documents. That has and nothing some to do courts with label the attorney as the petitioner. Right. I've seen and, that as well. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm here to tell you guys, like, you have to figure this part out because I'm not studying 3,500 counties. I've done about 100 counties on deep dives. It's just exhausting. It's like, <laughs> tell so, me about it. <laughs> but the thing is, like once you figure it out, then you, you understand it. So the easiest way to do is either try to call someone, kill them with kindness, ask for uh, the clerk of court, ask for the probate department. And usually they have someone there that they have full-time employees that that's their entire job to answer questions and keep the lawyers in line and keep the dockets rolling. The other way you can do it. So you have time. If you can't get that way is you go in person and you ask, I guarantee I and I'm thousands of miles away, but I hear you. <laughs> well, How far away I, are you? I'm some deals in. Yeah, I will. I, I'm uh, actually on Vancouver Island in Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm you're, you're in Vancouver. Uh, well, no, I'm on Vancouver Island, which is okay. the island that's just off the coast. So like Washington's here and then there's this huge island right there. Wow. It's right off the harbor of Vancouver. So yeah, it's I've been, I've been there. I've been there once, uh, no, just British Columbia. So. Yeah, that's, that's the state or province. It's basically the same. So thing. are you in the U.S. or Canada? Right now I'm in Canada. Uh, you're like you're right on the line, bro, right? I what? <laughs> I basically, yeah, I used to go monthly to Washington. Like it's just 20 minutes from my house to the border. Okay, so. well, I'm, I'm like, I, like, I got a million <laughs> questions for you, but I'm not going to do it. This is going to piss everybody off. So um, yeah, no, this is a probate just about getting the definitions of everything. And like figuring it out and every county is different. Like I got five counties, I get five different answers. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So three of them I do online Two, We still have to physically go in person. Right. And I, I've been doing those since 2012. It's ridiculous. So it's, it just drives me nuts. And then I've had counties where they made it so difficult. I had to invoke an attorney to get me the stuff. And then mm -hmm. we worked out a deal with that, but it's, you guys, you just got to be resourceful. And if you get resistance, you can beat it with persistence. And that's how you want to work that file. So I love probates. 
They're, mm -hmm. they're very efficient. They don't, you can work a full-time job and another job and easily work probates and they won't stress you out at all. The downside is they're not like the instant overnight deal. I'm just here to tell you, they are the long play, but uh -huh. man, when they hit, holy moly, it, it's, I, I've taken down 10, 15 wholesale deals in one probate. And I'm wow. like thinking, and so I took my accountant's the one that pulled me out. He goes, Hey, how did you do these three deals? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, do those three deals like that. You stop messing around with your 10, $15,000 deals. Now I never stopped messing around with the 10 to 15 K. I just went and doubled down on probates and I only did one County and I stretched it out. I did seven at one point. Mm -hmm. And then two of them, we could never get a deal. And after two years, we called it quits. But so here's the biggest problem with probates. If you guys are listening, mm -hmm. people get excited. They do it. They figure it out. They do it for a month. I didn't get the leads I wanted. I'm done. And that's it. And that's what 95% of the people do with probates. And that's why people get so frustrated with probates. Honestly, if you could just do one or two probates a year and put 50 or 100 grand in your bank account, if it would make a difference, you're going to do it. And for that reason, it's why I always tell people, wait it out. If you're not going to wait it out, if you don't have a one-year plan for probates, don't do them. Here's a, here's a really cool part. They're not expensive, low. I think we spend $75 a month on doing all the counties. Like, we got it all figured out. So right. we do a combination of cold calling, which we call mm -hmm. warm calling. Mm -hmm. And we send two letters to each one. And that's it. It's really simple. Um, if you... I think on the last live, what I did, if you go to freewholesaling.com, I have a link. Actually, let me see. Do you have my uh, probate letter? Uh, yeah, I think I did download that. Okay. So, I, like, oh, not only it, I actually sent some of those out. I already, okay. uh, you know, found some leads, filled in that letter and mailed them, physically mailed them. Okay, so awesome. you know, waiting by the phone. That, that was my action taking thing because I've been studying and I just have to, you know, take some action because it's not good to just study and take in the information and not you do anything. I'll, I'll just get so, bored. So wholesaling is a study for a day or two and then go do a, uh, five days of action because it takes time. So if you start probates now, like I started probates, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, even though I knew how to wholesale, I'm like, I didn't understand. I was scared I was going to get chewed out. And I, I just said, Hey, listen, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And uh, I just put the letters out there. And then I dealt with the calls as they came in. And then when I get a call, I would immediately run over my title company or call my attorney. I didn't know all the answers. I was clueless. Mm -hmm. um, I tried to find courses and stuff. And they just really didn't deal with it. So you're in the right area. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Hey, if you want to, uh, let's take some people off on this thing. What's the temperature there right now? God, don't even talk about it. This year actually has record lows. So if you can guess it, I'd be shocked. Last year was record highs, and this year is record lows, but it ain't nothing like Florida. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> what, time, what, time is, what time is it there right now? Was it like, uh, it's like it's about three in the afternoon on Pacific? So, what, like 65 degrees? Oh, we're Celsius. I don't know what the conversion uh, is. Yeah, I got to do the conversion on it. So, somebody help me out with the conversion in there. Um, <laughs> but let me ask do you, do you, do you, uh, do you have to, well, you wouldn't wear a jacket anyways. You, you guys, unless it's snowing, you don't wear a jacket. Yeah, Vancouver has more temperate weathers like yeah, yeah. comparison to what people would typically think of Canada, which actually is snowy most of the time. So, but yeah, Vancouver, it's pretty temperate like year round. It's, I think the average lowest temperature was like two degrees in the, in February here. Yeah. So it doesn't even get so, below freezing. So were you raised in that area or? 
Yeah, I did. I grew up right. I, yeah, I don't meet a lot of people from Vancouver, so I think it's really cool. So are they like? So I don't like hearing an accent or anything like that. You just seem like like a regular. Uh, Same regular old American. Like, like, I'm telling you, cool. Seattle's my neighborhood. Like <laughs> on the weekends, that's where we go hang out, go to like you know high import nights or whatever. It's pretty much. It's like a Vancouver's like a little Seattle as far as I can tell. It's pretty similar. Um, okay. What yeah. what else? Any any other questions I can help out with? Yeah, for sure. It's it's again like trying to find out uh, the correct person that contact in probates. Like sometimes the co-owner is still alive, and they have somebody listed as the PR or the fiduciary. So should I contact the co-owner with the letter, or should I still be trying to contact that PR? So it's a little confusing on what the co-owner is. So I don't want to mix people up because it depends on what county and state you're in. But um, for years, I used to mail to the ears. I just gave up because all I do is get drama. It's like they're the irresponsible, like crazy ones. And then you always want to try to contact the petitioner, like end of story. And here's a little hack for you doing probates. If you really want to simplify probates without digging deep into them, if you can get a list of the probates and like you don't want to hunt down the petitioner and do all that stuff, if you just put... Um, the estate of John Doe, the person that passed away and mail it to the property you're interested in it. To be honest, it is, uh, it works really well. I honestly, I found that three years into it. You can simplify. If you just want to streamline probates and do it really quick. If you do that little trick, it works really well. And if you can't find the PR's address or anything like that, do exactly what I told you there somebody always goes by and picks up the mail at the property. Right. So I always try to go off the PR. Don't waste your time with the heirs because they'll agree with you because they all want to get paid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, they're not the final decision maker. And a lot of times you can create problems by talking to the heirs. You piss off the PR right. and then you lose that trust bond. Remember that the PR has the power to enter into a contract with you. That's mm -hmm. the person you have to appease. Okay. All right, man, I'll let you go. Uh, thanks again. Um, for having me on so, this chat. So what's what's the uh what's the Celsius reading there? Because I'm gonna convert the this Celsius. Before. I couldn't it probably not even 30 degrees Celsius right now, bro. It's okay. gotta be like I don't know what it is, but yeah, probably not 30. I think Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will be 30. Um, but like I said, it's abnormally low. Usually by you know, end of July, August, we be up in the high thirties. So this year is about 10 degrees lower, but like I said, it ain't Florida, man. <laughs> it gets cold here. It's pretty temperate year round. That's crazy. I see these heat waves going all around the country. It's absolutely, I saw over in Europe, they're like up to uh, 105. That's Fahrenheit, where they're really hot because they don't have AC at all over there. But anyways, it's hot in Florida. It's hot everywhere. Let's just let's keep it hot and wholesaling. I appreciate it, Malik. Good luck with everything. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Okay, see you. All right. I know this girl. You're not going to get rid of me. Girl. Only if you block me. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. Like, so um, a lot of people are asking, hey, how do I get on the live? Honestly, it's just full. I think there's 22 people lined up. So I'm going to kind of go through this. So I, I kind of know Anna's deal. So Anna, ask a question that I can help you out. And maybe someone else has that question too. Okay. Um, title. It, um, it can't be about your husband either. I'm just kidding. What, Go ahead. What no. do you mean? <laughs> I'm just trying to lighten this up. I get tired of like these things get stale. They they get like old, and I just gotta like it's like no, uh, I, like 
I know. And like, I was listening uh, to Zach today as I was jogging and um, he was talking how he'd been doing lives for like two years already. And I'm like, oh my God, he answers the same damn questions every single day. <laughs> you guys want to see something funny. I uh, go back to the original um, videos Zach did. And I remember looking, I go, oh my God, I've created a monster. So um, he just like, he went in there and there was like one person tuned in. I, and I'm not kidding to you guys, like one, and then it would go to two. And like, he went through that painstaking, like that just showed like, honestly, that's what a wholesaler does. Like if I, I one, all I do is one, I turn it into two. He did that for uh, over two years. And it's like, that's, no, you're not going to get anywhere. Not anywhere. It's like, <laughs> And then he just figured out how to get traction and kind of worked it. But it's, it's funny to watch because I, I spent so much time with him when he started it. I'm just like, you're overthinking it. Just do it. Just go out and do it. He's like, okay. And like, once he did that, like, I hate to use this analogy. Like we all talk about school, like, all, like all tests and stuff. Guys, if I told you what I got on my SATs, you, you might disconnect with me. It was bad. It was like, even my mom's like, I didn't know you could get like that low of a number. I'm like, the test was about stuff. I don't know how it's going to help me out in life. Now, Zach, he got like a ridiculous number. And so I'm like, I go, how did this child like come for me? But I told him like he was, when he first started wholesaling, he tried to analyze everything. He's a very analytical person, very photograph. And I said, treat it like wrestling. Cause I, I, you know, I watched him through his wrestling experience all four years in high school and the difference in like wrestling is you got to actually go out and do it and you have to learn it, but you can't skip. Like you sit there and stare at your opponent all day. At some point you got out there and wrestle and sometimes you get pinned. Sometimes you get knocked out. Sometimes you win. And then after you get one win, you go, I want to try that again. Honestly, the whole thing is a lot. Like a lot of us overthink the crap out of it. The wild child thing, which I know you're kind of leaning toward is every market's so different. It's so different. And that's what makes real estate so unique and why big corporations can't take over the entire country and try to do this. So go ahead with your question. Sorry about that. Uh, no, no, no problem. That, that's the thing. Um, I spoke with Zach and I told him how um, here in California, my husband, I told you like he quit the job and all that to do wholesaling full time. And okay. for the record, <laughs> I don't tell anybody to quit their job because well, I would be a hypocrite because I did my job while I did it, but I had children, I had huge obligations, and I didn't have any other money. So, uh, like, well, I have I, a child, and we have the Airbnb business that covers our rent. So, we're okay. kind of like, okay. <laughs> okay. So go ahead. So, <laughs> but, um, here in California, he's been doing, um, for a month, like cold calling and all that. And, I don't know if it were just not working good enough or why we've been pulling lists and doing all this. So Zach told us to try virtual 50, like do 50, 50. So we want to go virtual. I never like went into kind of learning virtual, but um, my question is about title company. Do we find title company for each city that we're doing virtual or just the state or? Well, it, ha it has to be in the state because they got to be licensed and insured in that state. And typically, um, so you got to understand most title companies, someone eventually has to show up to the title company. So you can't make it terribly inconvenient for your sellers. So keep that in mind when you're doing it. I will tell you is once. So honestly, like you try to cover like a hundred mile area. The goal with all the title companies, once you do a few deals with them, 
And she goes, listen, I got this deal. It's about 150 miles outside your town. I want to give it to you. Help me give it to you. How can we do this? Because I can't make my seller drive 150 miles. You want them to say, okay, we'll, we'll do a virtual one for you. And if they're okay with that, if they're open to it. But you guys, don't ever go in and ask a title company to do that up front if you've never done business with them because they don't even know you. So the one thing they want to establish that you're credible and you're who you say you are, which you will. And then they have to um, authenticate the seller because they're on the hook for the transaction. So guys, I do virtual closings um, all the time. Um, and honestly, they're just a packet. You give it to a mobile notary and they go to the seller's house and they get it all signed. Now, I will tell you this. You better make sure the seller's on board because that person's just there to make sure that's the person that's signing the paperwork. So um, I'm talking about the closing, not the contract. So do you understand? Like you can get away within a hundred mile radius, but like asking your seller to drive a hundred miles is like, it's a little tough. So I make it as convenient as possible. I go, listen, can we just do a mail away? Meaning we get a, and, and then you have to ask the title company's permission and they'll do a notary and they'll sign. But some title companies are good at it. Some of them are like really bad. So I've always wanted to give like in my area, one title company, all my business. I, I gave that up years ago. It's like, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I find some companies are phenomenal with like remote closings and some are terrible at it. So How the extra cost for a remote closing is a hundred bucks, a hundred bucks for the mobile notary. How and do you find all these title companies in those cities if you're doing virtual? Just, just start doing like, just like Zach and I taught you in your local group. Find your, your, your social media groups and look for those investor groups. So if you pick like Tennessee or Knoxville, just start finding the common thread for the title companies. Just ask too. And then you'll start getting a short list and you can start doing that. It's, it's really not. Mm -hmm. Can I use? You, you want one that's going to do assignments for you first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Can I use my buyer's um, title company? Why don't you want to do that? Well, because he has a title company already. Okay. So the challenge with that, it sounds super convenient. And a lot of times the buyer goes, well, I'm paying title anyway, so it should be my choice. That's how most real estate works. The problem is that title company is not in your corner. They're going to make it very challenging on you. I'm just here to like tell you, you have to have the home field advantage on the title company because my title company will call me. They go, listen, your buyer's getting squirrely. They're doing something funny. Like I asked them for this document. They won't give it to me. I asked them to wire the funds. And like here I am five days later, there's still no money in there. And they call me and I'll call. I go, dude, what's the deal? Now, if the seller, the opposite happens if the title companies in the buyer's corner. They're going to make up every excuse in the world and cover for you. And you're never going to get the truth. That's the problem. Listen to me. I've used other title cut. Here's the only way I use another title company. If I buy the property, I use my own money, which occasionally I do stuff I'm going to buy and I bought it and I'm reselling it. You use whatever title company you want. I don't give a crap. Cause I have nothing to hide. Like it's 100% transparent. It's my money. You just get it done. The problem when you do an assignment, the title company will always control the narrative. Okay. Let me give you an example. I once did the same thing you just said about guy was overpaying me like $10,000 for the property. I go, sure. Here's your title company was an assignment. I went there. That title company spent 20 minutes taking the HUD and pointing out 
that Mr. Ginn's making a $36,000 assignment fee. And if you have a problem for it, you need to speak now because we're not going to be responsible moving forward. I'm just looking at the title company like, what the hell are you doing? Shut up. Like, they didn't care. And she made it such a problem. I had to go get money and fund it. It cost me a fortune. So instead of making 36, I only made 30 because they opened their mouth. And that's the problem. It's the exact same transaction, but they're like, and then now title companies, they're getting a little bit more wary of assignments and you need to know this up front. If you have a traditional real, uh, a realtor title company, which 95% of them are, they make you sign disclosures that uh, they're not responsible for the assignment. They don't want to hear anything. And um, if there's any problems, you got to go deal with the, directly to the, the seller, not us. And it's, it scares the crap out of people. Like they don't want to sign legal documents like that. So it's all in the narrative and that's why you want to avoid it. So just find a title company like you would find local, use the Facebook, the groups for the investors in that area and just find the common thread or just ask and then ask them, Hey, are you okay with doing assignments? And if you get the common answers and once you do that, Hey, how far of a range would you cover? If I had a seller say over in this County, could you help me out with that? And just see what they say. Some of them don't want to do that. They don't like it because it makes them uncomfortable. The only reason they don't want to do it is because they don't know you. Uh -huh. Like it's very strange for someone to call from California, say if you were like going to Carolinas, North Carolina and do business there and say you're going to Charlotte and go, okay, listen, I need to do a closing, but they're like, who are you? What are you doing? Like, See, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I <laughs> You'll be fine. I'm just telling you, like, just find out. So they have to be state specific. Okay. So start Ooh. with state and then try So like, if you were going to Charlotte, you want to find somebody in Charlotte, find an investor friendly company that will do assignments. And then you start as you build a relationship. I don't ask right off the bat. I go, Hey, what if I did like three counties over? Can you help me out? How can we, how can we do that without inconveniencing the seller too much? And just say, listen, long as you're legit and the seller's legit, we'll just send out a mobile notary and uh, we'll get it done. That's it. So the title company sends out mobile, mobile notary. Yeah. And like, here's another tip for everybody on here. Don't ever under any circumstance ever get involved sending out the mobile notary yourself because it makes you liable. Okay. Ask me how I know this. Okay. It can never be my, listen, I, in the old days, I used to have mobile notaries that would do anything for me, for my business. Like, and I would actually train them how to present it. And I got called to the table on it once. So I don't do it anymore. So um, always leave it up to the title company. That leaves you a neutral party and you're following the rules. But it's really easy. Uh, like that's the least of your problems. The real question you got to be asking is how are you going to pick your virtual market, right? That's your next question. I can read your mind. <laughs> My mind is blowing up because we literally wasted a month here in California with our yeah, crazy you did, prices. You didn't waste it because I, what do I tell you? Everybody has to go through the journey to figure it out. I could tell you a hundred times, like here's the reality, California, like downtown New York city and like Miami, they're challenging. And California has pockets. I, I have a lot of friends that do a lot of business in California, but they've been established for a long time. It didn't start out easy. And I'm going to tell you to always stay Always keep your eye on the local market. Okay. It's fine. If you do two or three deals a year of that, it would make a tremendous difference. They will come up. I promise you. It's just, it's a timing issue. So now you're going to go to a virtual market. So how are you going to find this virtual market? 
without spending a ton of money to figure out where the gold is at? Well, I listened to Zach's 25 top virtual markets to hit. So, but I guess I'll pick a city and then uh, search for a title company. The first thing you do is got to establish the market. You'll do the title company next. And you want to find where other investors are having a lot of success. Guess what most investor uh, wholesalers do when they get success? What's their biggest problem? Selling? It's their mouth. Their mouth runs more than their ears. They like to brag. Their ego takes over. I'm big bad. I'm... I'm, I'm King Kong. I'm this, I'm that. Okay. Mr. Brilliant. Let me just get on your cash buyers list and I'll just reverse engineer the market you're doing. Every virtual market I've done. I, I'm, I'm just, I've just stole it from another investor because you know, I didn't steal it. Once you put it out there, you gave it to me for free. Now I don't have to go spend money to figure out which market works. So once I get on their cash buyers list, I see 20 properties and I see 10 of the 20 properties are in one zip code. I know exactly where to go. Check it off. Like I'm not going to figure this out. So like I watch that uh, stupid gold mining show occasionally on, on discovery because that's my Friday nights. Now after I go running is they drill test holes before they spend millions of dollars digging into the ground. You do a tiny little drill boat, go through. So look at your other wholesalers as your drill bits and they're pulling the gold out. And honestly, once they start bragging about properties on a cash buyers list, I know it's real. I like, I know they're not lying. That's their deal. And that's how I found it. I found uh, three states. I just went in and did that. Did it start off like wildly sexual? No, like it was crazy. Another thing is if you're familiar with a state that you have family, friends, or you have a connection with, that helps too. It helps a lot. And so take that in consideration. Title company is the easiest part of it. So go find someone else that's going to point you to the gold or find familiarity in places you've already been or you have connections, family, friends, or whatever it is. Okay. And don't stop what you're doing locally. I'm just telling you, don't stop. You just, you're, you're going to have to find a balance because you're, you're like California. It seems like everybody that we contacted at every property that we went to saw here in California, everybody thinks they can build like a fourplex behind their property and a duplex and two more houses. It's not, it's, it's not like that in like every market. So it's like, if you go to Ohio and Pennsylvania, stuff like that, you'd be like, but you, you have different problems when you do that. You get like a lot of little crappy houses and then you got to like figure out how to comp them and then you got to figure out how to sell them and you get lots of competition. So it's like coming and coming and going. And it, California is kind of like its own special little world. Like, so I like, you know, it, you live there. I, it's a beautiful state. I love it. I'm going back again. I don't know why, but I am. So it's, People like to live there and that's the big draw is, you know, people know you're going to pay it. So um, I think you're on the right plan. And listen, guys, when you make mistakes or something doesn't work out, it's an experience that's going to make you an incredibly better business person. This is how life works out. Because if I told you, hey, don't do that, a lot of times you have to experience yourself to understand it. But like, do you see yourself moving from California like anytime soon? Never. I love okay. California. So, like, Our just, weather, just, like I know, like don't stop it. It's hot as hell here. So okay. <laughs> but it's um it's just a learning curve you're going through. Like everything, okay. if you look at life as everything that happens is an experience to like make me better. The reality is the first three years of my wholesaling made me who I am today. Like I went through 
listen, I've been through everything you've been through. Like, trust me, you think it was like this perfect journey. Uh, all these gurus that like say, oh, it's a perfect journey. I do this. And that. No, it's, it's just when I see like a wholesaling group, everybody popping their checks and they're like, I started a week ago. I started two weeks ago. Honestly, and then you're, you're like looking, 50K. Yeah. I'm like, where's my check? So you're, you're going to get there. You just got to pick the right markets and mm -hmm. like keep, keep doing what you're doing. So take the advice I told you what to do and just keep moving forward. You're, yeah. you're, and you're going to have other roadblocks that come. I promise you. But like, like don't, it's not hard to find. Like you want to pick a virtual market. Don't pick it based on a place you want to live. Or I think that's pretty. I like the weather. Look at yep. the data. Look at the data. Cause it never lies to you. And okay. Go, okay. And the one thing I've always told people, if you want to separate yourself from every other uh, wholesaler out there, bury your ego. I go dig a hole in the backyard and put it there and cover it up because bragging and wholesaling will get you taken out real quick. Because people will hop on your back. They will reverse engineer everything you do. And then they're just going to duplicate what you do and jump on you. And then they're going to attack your market. So when you have success in that market, when you present a check to me and Zach, you're going to cover up the area. If you're smart, like honestly, like it's just, I think there's plenty of deals to go out there about everyone, but I'm just telling you that part of it. If wholesalers are going to make it easy for people, then take advantage of it. Like, yeah, it cost me thousands of dollars to figure out a market on my own. Now you could use uh prop stream list REI.com and use some of that stuff, but it's dated information. I, I don't like, it's hard to figure that out. You can go and find like the cash buyers and the temperament, but I like to find people are having success today. So if you posted today, Hey, look at these three checks. I did it in this area. Hey, let me get on your cash buyers list. I'm a cash buyer, right? I'm a cat. And then I get it and they start hammering me on text and stuff. And I just build a spreadsheet and within 10 days, I know exactly where to go every time. And by the way, I take two or three people and I notice like, oh man, everyone's doing these three zip codes. I'm in. And then I just find a better way to present myself. I go, are you tired of, I, are you tired of wholesalers? Like wasting it? Like whatever it is, I just gonna, I'm just gonna up my game. So you got it. Don't worry about the title company, pick the market first and then do that afterwards. Okay, one more question. Yeah. Um, when we're doing crop stream search, a lot of phone numbers come up as do not call. Do we still call or do we not call? I'm going to leave it up to you to make that decision. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't really tell you it's a comfort level. Um, if you call someone the DNC, you do risk a possible fine. So I'm not going to give you bad legal advice. Mm -hmm. but sometimes when you're all in. I've always told you, if you kill people with kindness and you're polite to them, they usually forgive you. So if you're not doing massive volume, you're trying to get your first deal. I don't make it a big deal. Like I can't sit there and sort all that crap. I rather, uh, what's, what's the saying? Ask for forgiveness. Ask. How's it go? Ask for forgiveness. Then ask, ask later for forgiveness than permission now. Right. Something like that. My wife does it to me all the time. Right. She's like, eh, you'll get over it. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I'm like, I don't want to do that. So, um, okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, Rick. You, you stay nice and cool in California, though. Okay. Let's it's roll. hot. It's like 102, 105. It's terrible, man. Ah, <laughs> oh. yeah. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Okay, guys. I didn't forget about you on the online here. Um, uh, really good stuff here. So, uh, let's see here. So guys, you can't successfully wholesale in California, but 
it's got challenges. Like it, it's a very, very established market. It's very expensive. So I always tell people go in your local market. And even if you can find like a deal or two, there will be a time in your life. Somebody has to sell a property quickly. And if you're not first, if you're not first person on their mind, you're going to miss out on the opportunity because you picked a virtual market. So you can do both. Okay. You can do both. So I'm not going to keep Jamie waiting anymore. He's got that look on his face, right? What's up, Jamie? What's good? <laughs> How you doing? Good, man. A long time no speak. Uh, yesterday, right? <laughs> I know. So um, guys, the, the biggest thing is when you get these lives, just jump on. You can put your screen on like silent mode and just like wait through the process because I think there's like 30 people. There's no way I'm getting everyone. So Jamie's smart, man. Anna hops on. Jamie hops on. What can I help you out with today? Well, I, I wanted to essentially tell you about the house, uh, the, the senior property. I'm not going to be able. Or, I already talked to the manager. They said I'm not, I'm not going to be approved. So there definitely needs to be somebody who's more experienced in that kind of thing. Okay. So I'm not sure if I should send you, you know, the address as a JV, but I don't have a contract. I could get it on the contract. So, so let's just talk about this. So like, I like just to cut down the business. So here's, um, actually, let me put this up there while we're talking about it. Um, if you guys want a JV with me and Zach, um, there's no fee for applying. I don't take anyone's money. I'll never ask for a credit card. That's like a big game that gurus play. And they, they all say, well, I don't want you wasting my time. Now, here's the caveat. Guys, if any of a good deal, you're, you're, you're going to get an email saying it just doesn't qualify. And that's it. And maybe we'll try to give you some advice on something. If it's close, I'll help you out. If it's way off, like, guys, I get hundreds of deals submitted. I'm, I want to help people out as much as possible. But remember, I only got so much time. So if you're going to walk through and submit a deal, like make sure it's worth it because at the end I'm going 50, 50 partner with you. You work directly with me, Zach and our team. And I have specialties on like commercial and apartments. Zach's very good on the single family homes. We have other people on our team that are really good. The main thing is you have to have it under contract and it's gotta be a good deal. If you don't have those two, it, it just, it's going to get kicked out. So I'm just prefacing it because I don't want people to get upset. Why can't we do a deal? You're cherry picking. I'm not cherry picking guys, but I don't offer a course. I do this. What better way to where you could earn money while you actually learn the business? Nobody else offers this. So we are stringent in how we do it because I can only do so many deals. And some of the deals might require me funding them, doing stuff like that, but they got to have really good spreads to make it work. So I didn't mean to put pressure on you, Jamie, but tell me what you're working at. What kind of number are we looking at on that? 105, but it's 200 square feet bigger than the other one that was on the MLS for 93.5. So it's sort of there. I'm not entirely sure. That's why I ask. They, they want to sell really fast. They're motivated. They want to move to with their daughter by the August 12th. So they're really motivated. I, I think somebody could work it out. So the only caveat, it's a 55 and older community, right? And they're they're really stupid about the rules and whatnot. But they all are. Listen, yeah. they all are. I'm just here to tell you, don't be over. If you have a really good spread, it's worth digging into it. If it's minor, walk. Like I'm just telling you, like they they, I get told all the time, oh, corporations can't buy in here. 
You can't buy in here unless you're 55 and older. Hey, let's talk to my lawyer. Let's see what, what you're telling me is truth or not. Because I like to get down to the truth. So I'll get a lawyer on a three-way and I'll call. And almost I can shoot down almost every one of them. So nine times out of ten, you have a property management company you're dealing with, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And they are not nice, right? No. No, they're 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 just they're brutal. They hate their job, it's misery, they don't get paid much, and you are wasting your time because you're not complying. So what do you think you get? What did they tell you they what kind of deal would they accept? They don't want people to come in, buy and sell in less than six months. So you have to own it for six months in order. Okay. So it's it's not a deal, Jamie. So like move past it. Like that's, I can't overcome that one. So is that written in the, uh, their bylaws or whatever it is? I'm not entirely sure. That's just what they said. So I said the one thing that kills any type of like, uh, restricted community is a deed restriction for resale. So it's bad enough when you can't rent the property out for a year and you will take a discount when you sell it. If like in Florida, I've seen, we just looked at a property. It was a smoking deal. I'd have to own it two years before I could sell it. See you later. I I don't want anything to do with it. And I can't rent it. So I have to just sit there and just wait, pay the property taxes and leave the house vacant for two years. But you know what's funny? The agent told me, that if you don't, if they don't approve you and you already bought it, they're, they're just going to force you to sell it, which is like, it beats the point. Yeah. So I've, I've done that thing. I've funded deals. So do you know when banks take back properties like through foreclosure and stuff, none of them get approved. And then the uh, property management company never says a word. So like they kind of put themselves in predicaments because the bank was never approved to own that property, but they just allow it. And it happens all the time. I've done um, subject twos. I've done owner financing and I've been attacked by everybody on these things. And, uh, but that's why I have a lawyer on my team and I fight through a lot of this stuff. Remember guys, if you have a deed restricted community, a condo, something like that, a 55 and older, make sure the spreads there because there will be a fight and it's just explaining to them what's going on. The only thing that kills these deals are the restriction to resale the property. The worst you want to see Maybe 90 days, but understand 90 days is going to cost you an extra five grand minimum by the time you fund it and carry it. So you got to have big spreads on it. So if they're going to put a six month on it, you can't because that means somebody has to fund it. You have to pay for it six months and then you got to see what, and I don't know what the market's going to do six months from now. It could be wildly up. It could be wildly down. Wholesaling, we don't take that risk. So Sometimes you find the motivation, the, the homeowners are motivated, but the property has restricting motivated features. Like a deed restriction is the absolute death of wholesaling. You don't want it. Okay. And you also have to be careful in these communities. If you guys are looking to do subject to and seller financing, they don't like it. They hate it. Like they get, the lawyers get so, I just had one I owned for like four years and uh, they sued me for a subject to. This is all the tough people will tell you about creative financing, okay? Because you have to be approved to be the buyer. And they're like, listen, you you took over the deed and you didn't get approved. And um, I think I paid like $2,800 fine when I sold the property. I'm like, okay, I moved on. So um, so you just got to go back to the drawing board and find something else. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you if you submit that, it's not going to go. And I'm being honest with you, so I don't waste your time. So if you guys want to submit deals, I'll talk to them live here for you. I just don't want to share the address and stuff. 
But like, if you're struggling with the number right off the bat, it probably ain't going to work. So these numbers are changing as we go, guys. I'm offering less and less on properties as time goes by and I'm finding the motivations getting higher. Interest rates are creeping up. I believe they have another increase coming next week from the Fed. And although Florida is still a tight market, the reality is as these interest rates raise, it's going to put more and more pressure on the real estate market. It has to because the end buyer has to get a mortgage. And the higher the rates go, the less you can afford on the home or the more you have to make. End of story. I don't care how you do it. One way or the other, your market will be affected by what's going on now. It might be minor. It could be major. It, depends. it just depends on where you are. But we, we're so far behind on supply. That's why we're not seeing a knee-jerk reaction in real estate. But I'm just telling you, like our phones are ringing a lot more than they ever have. And we don't do anything different. So Inbound? Uh, yeah, we do inbound, uh, outbound, like you name it. We do, we do it like every other less like my God to the point where we took one month and just recycled our leads. And as you get more established, Jamie, you guys keep going, all those leads, they get rejected. They don't work out. They don't close, whatever. Don't get rid of them. Just recycle them because you could save a month's effort of marketing. So you can avoid skip tracing, mailing, or, you know, whatever you're cold calling and you can just work off that database. So. I mean, we have over 15,000 leads like in our system and there's, there's a huge rejection rate. So I love recycling like leads. My favorite thing is to sit in a room and tell everyone we're going to get a deal out of these 3000 leads right here. I'm not going to, because everybody always wants, Hey Rick, go out and buy more information. Buy No, no, no. Why don't we work with all the stuff we paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for now, guys? I do it on a bigger scale. I'm not telling you to spend a hundred grand. You don't need to do that. That's over a year's time is a lot of your old leads, just don't get rid of them, have a basic podio system, whatever one you're comfortable with. Don't go broke doing a CRM and just follow up. These people's situation might change down the road, but I just don't know how you pull this one off without, you got to have like a massive spread because you got to figure in all the financing for six months, which is going to be brutal. Can, can you give me a number, let's say like 50? Maybe, maybe that's- so what, what's, what's the retail value on that one? If after repairs, it's supposed to be 170 at least. Okay. And, and how much are the repairs on it roughly? I would say 20, 25. It's not, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's, it's just pretty, it's pretty small. Yeah, so to do a deal like that, you'd have to be like in the 75, 80 range max. Yeah. Okay. And then I would have to be creative because guess what, Jamie? I ain't going to own it for six months. Do you want to own it for six months? I'm going to go find a cash buyer that will deal with the crap of this property. And then I go, listen, here's the really cool part is in that six months we're waiting, you can go ahead and do the rehab. I'm going to make it a selling benefit. I'm going to make it like, I'm going to give you the gift of all gifts. Here's the deal though. You can't sell it until the 181st day. That's the condition you can't break. And I will find someone that'll do that all. But here's the deal is I'm going to take a discount. He's not going to do it for full price. You know that. And that's how I do that. Remember, wholesalers solve problems. We don't sit in the mess. I constantly sell properties with tenants in it. The only thing I don't do, and I recommend to you guys, I don't sell properties with original homeowners in them. It is a recipe for disaster. Oh, because if you make a promise, well, then you can stay in and leave after 30 days. They'll never leave. And uh, if that's the condition, you better deal with it up front because you're never going to be able to sell that property. And I don't do those. My competition area, they do all those and um, they get a lot of problems with it. A lot of problems. Okay, so. so 
one question related to the topic is how how would you phrase seller financing in order to entice the, the seller to consider it? Um, oh, it's, it's so remember you wear your wholesaling hat first, first and foremost. When the wholesaling did, when you're going down a road like like if I find out their mortgage, uh, they only have like five, ten percent equity in the property, and I know like for them to even sell it to me, they have to bring a big fat check to the table. And I know wholesaling is never going to be an option. I just simply said, listen, are you open to a creative solution? And I shut up. And one or two reactions every time. Tell me more or I don't do that crap. I don't know what you're talking about, like doing. Like I have to sell this straight up. I can't risk my credit. And I don't argue with them. Because the one thing, whenever you come to creative financing, you have to be their only solution. Okay? You can't make it happen. Wholesaling. If they're motivated, they still have a choice which wholesaler or investor they want to work with. When it comes to creative financing, you're that last ditch straw. They're like, I don't want to do it if you don't buy this. Now, when I hear words like that, I go, hmm, are you open to a creative solution? And then I'm just looking. So when we do a creative deal, which I'm not, I actually, I'm, I'm work, I got something in the work to help all you out is we're looking at cash flow. That's it. Okay. What's your mortgage? What's the average rent? And then I'm going to figure it out from there. So their mortgage was 800 and I can get say 1300 for rents and the property doesn't need repair. I can put a deal together. The question is the seller desperate enough to take the deal. And I don't mean that in a negative position, but the realtor convinced them to buy this house, told them it's going to go through the roof. They put down 3% and guess what? They had a life changing event. Like what are they going to do? Okay. I've lived in houses like this. I think they're wonderful if you can do that. But remember, the property picks you. You don't pick the property. End of story. Completely different on creative financing. I love creative financing. Guys, creative financing will come from your wholesaling deals. So any of you that think you can just take a creative financing course because they've labeled it and they've marketed it as this is how you get around wholesaling, you're in for a rude awakening because you can't just beat wholesaling. You have to master and learn the fundamentals of wholesaling and creative financing comes with it. If you think you're going to do creative financing, what's the sexy pitch of creative financing? Everyone takes the deal, right? That's a big lie. Honestly, you need people in bad situations to take creative financing deals and you have to be trained on how to take them down. And honestly, some of them can be very complicated. So I've been, I've been sued on them. I've had, uh, you know, there's not a lot of do on sale clause that, that doesn't happen a lot, but it's so just to open up the vocabulary and listen to people. But I will tell you a creative finance solution is usually you are the only fix to it. A realtor can't fix it. A wholesaler can't fix it. But if you can figure out how to put it together and then the last thing on any creative financing, the seller has to be 100% cooperative. If they are resistance in the slightest, do not spend your energy on it because they have to cooperate through the entire transaction. And for that reason, that's why I don't want you to put all your energy in just looking for creative financing deals. Cause when you do that, it's just, in my opinion, as tough as wholesaling. And then remember you're paying above market prices for these houses. And if you can't find the cash flow in it, a lot of people are teaching these courses, putting down 20 or $30,000. Do you have 20 or 30 grand to put down? If not stick to wholesaling, get your cash and then find the creative finding deals as they come up. Make sense. Yeah. Yeah, so just listen to people like, so if somebody owes 95%, so 
So if they have a hundred thousand dollar house and they own ninety five thousand, the only way they're selling that house is going to be a creative solution. That's it. So you don't have to like overthink about this. Honestly, you could run a, a low. Ready for this? If you want to do creative finance, just run a low equity report or just pull up failed listings, and you'll get them all day long. The problem is you're not going to make money for a long time on them. You have to make money up front on them. And the last thing on creative finance, I like to deal with houses that are ready to go. Okay. And guys, don't get me started on novations. I just, I do novations. I do them naturally. A novation is just a substitute of contract. It is not a technique. Okay. If you don't know what you're doing, you're talking power of attorney. You're talking about liens. You need to get lawyers involved. And honestly, pairing up with distressed homeowners, painful. Like I can tell you what, like they expect to get a hundred thousand dollar paycheck and they never get it and they're going to take it out on you. So that's why I don't promote any of that stuff here. I go, I get it. It works for some people. I just don't like it because have you met some of these sellers? Could you imagine being partnered with some of these sellers? Their expectations are so wild. Like <laughs> I don't want to set them up for like, and guess what? Who's the first person they're going to sue if it goes sideways? You a hundred percent of the time. So Okay, Jamie, let me help some others out here, bud. Let me know how it works out. Hopefully, it helped you out. All right. Okay, cool. Okay, guys, um, if you guys are new to the channel, make sure you go on to um, freewholesaling.com. I answer almost every other question you got. Let me jump on. Uh, Evan's been patient here. Evan, you there? Yvonne? I'm sorry. Hey, Rick. It's Yvonne, yeah. <laughs> How you doing? I'm sorry about there. your name. How are you? No, that's fine. It's spelled differently, so I understand. People butcher my last name everywhere I go. I'm like, and I tell them, I go, it's Gin, not Jin. And they go, <laughs> well, Mr. Jin, we're going to pull up your account here. I go, listen, you say Jin one more time, and I'm going to hang up this phone. And I know I've been waiting like an hour for you. It just drives me nuts. So I try to pay attention to people's names. So no. how can I help you out? Hey, um, so I actually just have two quick questions. One, I actually have a... Um, an appointment tomorrow all right he's like in the know because he also wants to be an investor but his house has liens against it so i was just wondering like what's a good way to maybe approach him because he wants to possibly sell it because it's a project house but okay. then he also wants to turn around and be an investor himself so these are tough ones so um older younger he's a uh, 37 Okay. Well, he's young. Well, compared to me, he's young. So, um, <laughs> Old to me. Uh, so here's the problem is like, you don't want to teach them to be a, uh, a wholesaler like you, because they're just going to turn around and take that technique and cut you out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So first and foremost, focus on what he wants to accomplish like legally. And it usually comes down to like money and ease. Okay. Focus 100% on that. I, I'm going to tell you this though. I've dealt with people like this and always at the end, they pitch me like, what if we partner up on it? And you're like, you don't want to do that because obviously he's not very good at what he does. Otherwise he would have solved the problem without you. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to have to focus on his needs and just try to accomplish it. And then if he signs a contract, you can connect him with like this really cool course it's called like freewholesaling.com, but I'd probably <laughs> wait to give it to him until your deal is like close to done. Yeah. So, something like that. I, I'm just telling you, like sometimes you think you're helping people. If you get him started on like freewholesaling.com right now, he's going to spin his wheels for months on trying to figure out how to maximize the profit. 
and it's going to cut you out. For, for selfish reasons, I'm telling you, stick to him, find the motivation, qualify him like a regular person. Once he signs a contract, then you can share tips on how to do um, being an investor. I would even tell him you're a wholesaler and don't use the word wholesaler. Just talk about real estate investing. Yeah, that's what I said. He's like, what's so, your title? I'm like, I'm just an investor. Yeah. So just use it as trade bait. I go, I have some really cool people I can connect you with. And, and that's what I would do. Like they, okay. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people want to meet with me. Like, I just want to figure out how you do this. I'm like, I just buy houses for cash. Like this, it's not complicated. Remember third grade level, keep it down. Especially when you're dealing with a man, you might want to go down to second grade level. As my wife tells me, like yeah, definitely. you got to keep it simple and direct. <laughs> so you don't waste time. And then you just try to stop the rapport. And honestly, you made sure this person is the seller, right? Yes. His name is everything. Okay. And you're house. meeting him like during the daytime, right? Correct. Um, okay. So I, I just want everyone to think safety. There's some crazy whack people in this world. Just like make sure you're meeting with the seller and you verified it. And honestly, yeah. I always get there a little bit early and drive around the property and see what the heck's going on. You Definitely. Know? Like some people, like you, you need to be on edge when you meet a stranger. I don't care what business you're in and oh, always yeah. be protected and be at your highest alert. And, uh, I just, we're in a different world guys. It's just, you can't trust everybody anymore. So yeah, my previous thing was door knocking. So I definitely, but, um, okay. second question, following up on the helping person, I okay. was on the phone with someone yesterday, um, a lady and she's like, we're maybe interested in selling our house however my husband's out of work and i don't work the only reason i didn't continue kind of the conversation was because the baby started crying but i'm just trying to find what's a good way to maybe call her back with like to help her out was it your baby or her baby her baby <laughs> oh, okay um i just call him back and be normal just talk to him so, see the key is you have to establish some basic rapport mm -hmm. and you have to qualify them because if they're not qualified, like I don't want you to go meet with someone that maybe wants to sell their house. Maybe is a really dangerous word in wholesaling. Mm -hmm. a, there could be intent, but there could not be intent. So you could be wasting your time. So I'd spend a little extra time on the phone and just get permission for me. What's the best time to call? They'll never call you if you give your phone number and just kind of walk her through it. And if you can relate to them, just be honest. Do you, you have kids or anything? Yeah. Okay. So you know what a screaming baby's like. It's a lot of work. Oh yeah. Yeah. We actually did connect because she was like, I don't know who this is. And I was like, well, yeah. I'm Yvonne. Actually, I'm your neighbor pretty much. I live in yeah. the area in Washington and um, I was just looking to buy some houses in the area. Yeah. And then that's yeah. kind of where the baby said, but she's like, maybe. Yeah. You, you like, got it. <laughs> just, just talk to her and just, so maybe like in a way says, you know what? She goes, maybe I'll do business, but I don't know you. And I don't know if I want to tell my stranger, like my saga, my story, like <laughs> nobody comes out right off the bat. Like, listen, my house is trashed. My husband got fired and I don't have any money to pay for the mortgage. That's never the first word out of any seller's mouth I've ever heard in my life. She okay? said her husband lost her job. That's the one thing. He wants what? He lost his job. Okay. That was so, his, her maybe. So I'm here to tell you guys, like when you hear maybes, that means there could be a little smoke. So you got to dive in there and see if there's a flame. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. You ask the four qualifying questions and walk through. Okay. If you could qualify them and build rapport with them and you're getting closer and closer down to the journey and that's what you do. Nobody ever, when they call me or I call them to go, Hey, guess what? My house is in foreclosure. My husband left me and I have no money to my name. Will you help me out? 
<laughs> oh my God, if it was that easy, we wouldn't be having this, this live right now. So yeah. you, you have an obligation to dig through, to see if what she's, if there's anything to explore there, but try to find out as much as you can on the phone. Mm -hmm. to see if that's going to work. The main thing is if, Hey, uh, whatever you call her Jane. Hey Jane, if, if I were to buy your house, where are you guys going to, you know, what's the plan after that? And just shut up because if they okay. don't have a plan, that means they're at least 90 to 180 days before they make a decision. Nobody right. just gets up and moves in 30 days. It's really hard. You ever moved? Oh yeah. Torture. Like it's oh, not right. fun. It doesn't even matter how much money you have. It's just I've moved countries. So I moved a year ago. I'm still trying to dig crap out of a box. It's like <laughs> but, All right. Last question. I'm driving reverse driving for dollars. Do you bring contracts with you um, and try to possibly get them to sell on the side? Um, I always have one in my bag. Mm -hmm. um, I only use contracts when I have a verbal agreement. Contracts tend to scare the hell out of people. Yeah. This was a pre foreclosure. Um, yeah. Went to go stick it on the door. He was like, maybe. And um, I didn't yeah. have a contract with me. So I was like, ooh. So talk to him. And what, what state are you in? Washington. Okay. So also look up your state laws. There are, um, um, there's, there's some things you have to understand for anybody in a type of, uh, so like in the state of Florida, if any property owners in distress, meaning they're behind on their mortgage, I have to give them a three days right of re re uh, redemption. And I know I can't strong arm them. So like, I'm really flexible with them because I know they can change their mind. Mm -hmm. So just know going into, you got to give, like if somebody in a foreclosure, if they call you back the next day and go, I want out of that contract, you don't even try to strong arm it. You're not going to win. So just understanding you have to have flexibility. The best way to have flexibility with foreclosures, get a verbal agreement and go, listen, you'd be more comfortable if I put that in writing for you. So if you get a verbal agreement, just like remember the old days where like two people shake hands and they agree they'd actually do what they did. It doesn't work that way anymore, but there are a good percentage of people that still honor that. So if you do that first and then ask for permission of the contract, you're fine. Always have a blank contract in your car. Like I get laughed at by my, <laughs> my, I, my kids, my wife, my daughter, like he always has a contract. Like, Hey, you got a contract. I'm like, you never know. And I once bought a house on a cop, a uh, cocktail um, napkin. It was like a strangest oh, wow. setting, but it worked. And we took it down to the courthouse and it worked. So, all right, cool. Well, thank you. Those were really okay. Awesome. Okay, Yvonne, have a great day. All right, bye. Okay, guys, let me check the last comments here. Um, Max is right. Maybe is an opportunity, but you got to explore it. Don't just like, oh, I'm going to run out to the house and get that done. So, um, it's, it's, it's your job. Like we work this hard, like you got to turn every stone over. So guys, keep in mind, uh, go over to freewholesaling.com. Give me a few likes here before we wrap this up. And guys, if you decide you have a deal and say, I've trained you through freewholesaling.com and you want to put it under contract and you go, man, this is a great deal. I'm not sure how to do this like past the contract, I want to work with Zach and I want to work with Rick. Then on the bottom there, flipwithrick.com, JV with me. But guys, remember, I don't charge a fee. There's no hundred, 500 or a thousand bucks. We make it as transparent as possible and we split it 50-50 is a huge win. And I have the best people I work with to help me put this all together. If your deal makes the cut, you, you will talk to one of us 
and we'll walk you through. You truly get a win-win because then you get a more advanced education with it, although you don't really need it. And you get to work with us one-on-one and then you walk away with 50% of the proceeds. It is a huge, huge win, guys. It's what you want to do. Check it out. And guys, do me a favor. A lot of you guys are watching me on YouTube. Check out my personal YouTube, Rick Ginn. I'm releasing a brand new content on there. You won't see anywhere else. Yes. If you like working with me and you like what I say, you like the old man, then check out Rick Ginn on YouTube. Also check out my son, Zach Ginn. He has his own YouTube. He's releasing his content here. And we used to flip with Rick to work together. And uh, as I said, the more people that work together, the more people we can help. I love this business. If you truly want to change your life and you have a major interest in wholesaling and you want to be financially free, remember I got on the wholesaling. So I have more time for my family and that's more than come true for me. I want to do the same for you. Check us out on freewholesaling.com. And remember we go live on Sunday and Monday now. So Zach will be live on Sunday evening late. And then I do a uh, Rick rant on my YouTube channel on Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So if you guys have trouble catching me live, go ahead and catch me over there. Rick Ginn on YouTube, Zach Ginn on YouTube. And guys, I will see you guys on Monday. Remember, Zach will be on Sunday. You guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon. See you guys. Thank you.